Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to the 11th season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Heart Warrior Siblings, and we have a great show for you today. Today's show is Heart Sister to Heart Sister, and our guest is Katie Hunt. Katie will be telling us what it was like to be an only child, what it was like to meet Amanda and develop a sister relationship with her, and then how she handled losing Amanda. Katie Hunt is a 27-year-old congenital heart defect warrior with Tetralogy of Fallot, or TOF. She had her first open-heart surgery in 1990 for her TOF repair and valve replacement. She has since had multiple pulmonary valve replacements. Katie, an only child, started a new school at the age of 13. While helping in the kindergarten room of her new school, she met five-year-old Amanda. Katie soon realized Amanda was also born with congenital heart defects. From that point on, the pair became as close as sisters. Sadly, in 2013, at just 16 years of age, Amanda passed away suddenly. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Katie. Thank you, Anna. It's great to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you on the program, and I want to start by talking about what it was like to grow up with Tetralogy of Fallot. Growing up with CHD, specifically the Tetralogy of Fallot, my family never kept me in the dark about my heart. They wanted me from a young age to be able to tell whoever, wherever, if something was wrong and I needed medical help. They let me ask the doctors questions. They kept me, like, every appointment I was able to be involved in. They didn't bubble me. They let me push my limits and figure out what my personal limits were. I had one surgery as a baby and another a month before my 11th birthday. I remember coming out of surgery, asking for a drink, food, and to go home already. (laughs) My spunky persona got me out of the hospital from that surgery in less than four total days. I went in on a Tuesday, and I was out Friday morning. That's just amazing. Yes, I don't hear of anybody getting out that fast almost ever. Oh, my goodness. So you were pretty adamant. I want out of here. Oh, yes. I was chasing the nurses around, asking them to get my IVs out on Thursday. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you had a very smooth recovery, if you could go home that quickly. Oh, yes. And the next day I was at a school function. Oh, my gosh. Were you really? Yes, I was. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody was like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. You just had surgery four days ago. Oh my gosh, your parents must have just been beside themselves. I pushed my limits as hard as I could. I didn't let anything stop me. I think that's awesome. And I hear from other Tetralogy of Fellow Heart Warriors that 
that's how it can be, you know, that you can be really, really sick and you really, really need surgery. But then after you have that surgery, you feel like you have a new lease on life. Oh, yes. That's what happened when I had my Melody valve placement in December of 2015. Mm -hmm. I even took pictures of the day before my valve placement and the day after. I could see the blue just completely go out of my face. Wow. You can see like a total different person. Yeah. And I was able to do dishes. I was able to run with my daughter again. It was a total 180 from what I had felt the day before. As a youngster, 8, 9, 10 years old, could you tell that you didn't have the energy level that your friends had? I could to an extent. I, like I said, I pushed myself. I didn't really care. My teachers were all aware of my heart issues, so they knew when I started to look a little blue around the mouth to tell me to go sit down for a few. And I, I would put up quite a fight because I wanted to be like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But I, I knew when I really needed to stop. Okay. And, and I, I just pushed myself until I hit that point. So you were self-limiting? No. <laughs> I, I, I am now. But no, I didn't do that as a child. I pushed and I pushed, except for when the doctor said no running or something like that. They would know to scale that back. So would you push yourself to the point that you would faint? One time in PE, I had that happen. I wanted to play the game that all the other kids were playing. It was called Dizzy Stick. You put your head on a bat, spin around 10 times, and run back to your team. And I ran, did that, and on my way back, I went face first into the gym floor. Oh my gosh. And my family was not happy. <laughs> I had a massive lump on my chin. They had to take me to a special doctor to go make sure there was nothing broken in my face. Oh that that God. one was bad. Yeah, that sounds bad. Wow. But I wanted to do what everybody else did. Well, of course you did. Now, were you on aspirin therapy? Is that one of the reasons why it looks so bad? No, it was just how hard I hit. Oh, Katie. Ouch. Ouch. Okay. So what was it like for you to grow up as an only child? Did you often find yourself longing for a brother or sister? Oh, yes, I always asked for a brother or sister, but my family always told me that because of my heart, they wanted to be able to focus on me and me alone, and they were worried that they wouldn't be able to give another child the same attention that they had to give me. Mm -hmm. So I became very academically inclined because my physical wasn't quite up to par with everyone else, so I put my nose in a book. Okay. And that kind of made my social life lack quite a bit. Sure. Even as a younger child, school I went to for the first and largest part of my childhood was strict, but when it came to bullying, they kind of just threw the book away and looked the other way. Mm. So I believe having a sibling around would have helped me maybe deal with that a little bit better, have someone to talk to other than people that wouldn't listen to me. Yeah. I do still have some social anxiety trying to meet new people to this day, I think, because I don't have a sibling. But you just got to learn how to keep going. Right, right. Tell me about what it was like for you to move as a teenager. You had 
just turned 13 years old and all of a sudden you're moving to a new school. What was that like for you? That was one of the most amazing things that happened to me. Like I said, I was bullied at the school that I went to for the first and largest part of my education. And the ridicule from the other kids was just getting to a point where even the teachers looking the other way was my family wasn't putting up with it anymore. Mm. So instead of giving them our money, because I went to private school my entire education, we're like, okay, you're losing our money and we're going to take it somewhere else and you can keep this bullying problem. Right, right. So the new school I moved to was a year behind the one that I had previously been attending and I was presented with the offer to skip eighth grade and move on to ninth which was an amazing opportunity that we took advantage of. I fit in a lot better at the new school, even though I was a year younger in ninth grade than the rest of the ninth graders. They accepted me a lot more. When bullying happened on campus at that school, it was taken care of immediately, whether it be verbal or anything else. So that was one thing we really liked about that school. Right. They also took into consideration my limitations that the doctors had set, unlike the other school, Mm -hmm. on occasions. So on running days, I was sent into various elementary classrooms to be like a teacher's aide, and that turned out to be a life-changing year for me in more ways than one. Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart, and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Whatever strife or conflict that we experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Katie, before the break, you were telling us about how you had a life-changing experience when you were going into kindergarten classrooms and you were participating like a teacher's aide. I actually had a similar experience and I also found it to be life-changing and much later became a teacher of the deaf. So tell me about meeting Amanda. When I met Amanda, I never once thought she and I would become as close as we did. She was in kindergarten and I was in ninth grade, which is quite the age difference. And you really don't become friends when you're almost 11 years difference in age. Right. And I don't remember exactly the first time I met her because I was in and out of the classroom so much, almost on a every couple day a week basis. But I do remember when the stars aligned for what became our sisterhood. We were having a Western day at our school and her mom had supplied a horse-drawn carriage for the event for all of us students to take a ride around the parking lot. And somehow at the end of the day, her mom and my family got to talking and the whole CHD thing came up because I had mentioned to them that her shirt moved and I had seen a scar. 
Mm-hmm. And from there, our family started pushing us, trying to get us to bond. And me being a preteen teenager and her being a five-year-old, I have a four-year-old personally, so I can kind of see how she was in my own daughter. We butted heads and we weren't quite having it. But I'm so thankful that over time, we both softened to each other and changed and grew into sisters. Wow. So what was she like? She was so spunky and set in her ways as a five, six-year-old. That was one of the hardest times to try to become friends with her. It blossomed a lot more when she hit second and third grade, and we actually were able to talk and be human with each other. (laughs) Otherwise, I was just that pesky big sister that she didn't want anything to do with, and you're taking over my area and my mom and stuff like that. But her mom, like I said, had the horses, and... I would go over after school because my grandmother was the after school care coordinator at the school that we were attending. And me being my ninth grade, better than everybody's self, didn't want to stay there. So I'd go play with Amanda and the horses and help them out and everything. And we finally just, over time, getting to know the horses, getting to know each other, She became my little sister, and we had our ups and downs over the years, and we went a couple years where communication was lacking quite a bit because we were in different places, but no matter what happened, we were able to go back to each other and just figure out where we needed to be and everything. When I moved back in with my mom when I was 21, she was living next door to Amanda and Veronica, who is Amanda's mom. And Amanda was a lot like I was in ninth grade, and I could see it, and we became very, very close then. I was 21, she was 14, I want to say, and anytime she had problems with her mom, she would come over to the house and talk. Anytime her heart was acting weird, she'd come over and we'd talk and be like, is this normal? And I'd kind of help her out with making sure she knew when she needed to say something and what was okay and could be just left alone and stuff. So our moms even became best friends. That's why they wound up living next to each other. I just think that's amazing. So you were an only child and it sounds like Amanda was also an only child. Yes, she was. So I think it's kind of natural the way you two gravitated to one another because you did have so much in common and you were both alone. Most definitely. Yeah, as far as not having siblings. Wow. How did finding a heart sister in Amanda help you deal with your own congenital heart defect? It sounds like you were great at helping her to figure out whether or not what she was experiencing was normal. But was there also a reciprocal relationship regarding your own? Honestly, I'm not sure because growing up with my family, making sure that I knew everything I needed to know, her mom kind of kept her bubbled and, oh, no, no, baby, that's okay. We'll go see the doctor and stuff like that. And my family will talk to me about it, tell me what's wrong. And that's how I was able to help her with a lot of things was because I knew my body so well. I knew when things were normal versus not normal. And I know every CHD and every case is different, 
but a lot of the symptoms are very similar. Now, did she have the same heart defect you had, or did she have something different? She had Epstein's anomaly. Okay, so that's significantly different, I guess, from Tetralogy of Fallot. And she had had six different surgeries as a very young child before I ever met her. And she was born very prematurely. So she had a lot of hurdles to get through. But when I met her, she was doing very, very well. Okay. And you said that your mother became friends with her mother. Did Did that mean that the two families spent a lot more time together? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. My mom, especially after I got pregnant with my daughter and me and my fiance moved out, my mom would go on trips with them. And my mom and her would take trips like all the time. And then my grandmother would talk to her almost every morning. Wow. So even your grandmother became close to Amanda. We were all very... What a tangled web we weave kind of thing. <laughs> Everybody talked to each other. Wow. I mean, you became extended family to one another. Oh, yes. Wow. They even helped us make our big move from South Florida to Central Florida. So that was a huge help. Instead of having to buy multiple moving trucks, they brought their horse trailer and we loaded a whole bunch of our stuff up in the horse trailer and saved a whole bunch of money. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. It sounds like your serendipitous meeting with Amanda not only affected you and your opportunity to find a little sister, but it affected your mother, your grandmother, your entire family. It did. Wow, that's a beautiful story. I love it. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. I am with Origami Owl Jewelry, and we personalize lockets. It has helped me heal so much by having that locket. I've had other friends and customers who have created lockets. They love their lockets, and they gift lockets to people who are bereaved, or they're celebrating somebody. To get your own Origami Owl locket, contact Nancy Jensen on Facebook or her website, fancydancyme.origamiowl.com. Katie, before the break, we were talking about how you met Amanda and how your families became intertwined. So I can't even imagine what it must have been like for you to lose your heart sister. Can you talk to me about that? Waking up to that phone call was definitely one of the most soul-crushing moments of my life. She passed away in her sleep, and my wake-up call that morning was my mom calling to tell me the news. I don't think I've ever cried so hard in my life. My fiancé, I couldn't even get the words out to tell him what happened when my mom called. He's just looking at me, bawling in hysterics and trying to find out what, trying to pry the phone out of my hand. And when my mom told him, he, I had never seen him cry. 
And he broke down. Because he knew who she was as well, right? Oh, yes. He had lived with us for a few months before we moved out together. She was a little sister to him, too. Oh, wow. He adopted her with me. We came as a kind of a package deal. Wow. Our four-year-old currently was a four-month-old at the time, so she started freaking out because her mom and dad are going crazy over she doesn't even know what, and that was just a really hard morning. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can just imagine. So who was it who found Amanda? It was her mom. She had gone in to go get her up for school. Wow. Wow. That must have just been so hard for your entire family. Oh, yes. And Nick and I, Nick's my fiance, we had to pack up the baby and head over to Lake City, which was a couple hours away from where we were currently living, and go just be with my mom, be with Amanda's mom, and anything anybody needed help with or anything, just try and be there as a family unit, because that's what we were. That's what we were made to do. Right, right. And since Amanda was an only child, and I only hear you talk about her mother, so I'm thinking there was no father in the picture? He was in the picture to an extent, but her mom and dad had been separated, divorced for quite a few years. So Amanda still had a relationship with her dad, but it wasn't like her mom's. Right, right. What I'm wondering is, it sounds like your mother had really taken Amanda's mother to heart as well. So was it hard for your mom to see her friend lose her daughter? It was horrible. She took the whole week off work and was by her side every step of the way. Wow, that's a good friend. That's a really good friend. I know you had an unusual experience sometime later Can you tell us about what happened to you sometime after Amanda had passed away? Well, one of the things that happened two weeks after she passed away was her mom passed away in my mom's arms. She had a stroke, which, in my opinion, she died of a broken heart. She was so upset and heartbroken that her heart and everything just couldn't handle it anymore. Mm -hmm. So She passed away in my mom's arms. And then about a year later, my fiancé and my daughter and I were in a car accident with an 18-wheeler. They bumped into the side of us once. We were able to correct it. And then they bumped into the side of us again and sent us spinning across the lanes of traffic on I-95 here in Florida. And our tail end went into the back of a different car and brought the trunk and the back seat into me and my daughter and we should have been smashed by other cars that truck something should have smashed into us and honestly killed us the way we were out of control on that road and somehow some way we landed perfectly in the median facing the opposite direction But we were where we could not be touched by another car, thankfully. That's a miracle. Definitely. I believe we had one angel on the front end and one angel on the back end carrying us into that median. Amazing. When you told me that story before, it gave me chills. And it still gives me chills. I believe in angels. And it definitely sounds to me like Amanda and and her mother 
where they're wrapping their arms around you and your family. Definitely. We walked away with bumps and bruises. Wow. Nick has a couple of slip discs or something like that, but no broken bones, no no nothing. Wow. And your baby, your baby who was, I imagine, in the backseat? Oh, yeah. She was a year and three months old. So I was in the backseat with her. We actually had something sitting in the front seat that night. So just like everything that had happened was just so weird Mm -hmm. because it could have been a lot worse. Her car seat actually came loose due to the impact on the back end. My whole, I was sitting on the right side of her and her car seat, which was in the middle, the whole left side of my body was bruised because I was holding her car seat in its place. Oh my gosh. That's how much the impact was in the back end. Wow. It knocked the seat loose. Wow. And she didn't even have a bruise on her. Wow. So she was definitely wrapped in angels. And had you been in the front seat, do you think your fate may have been different? I think hers may have Mm. because her car seat definitely would have gone moving. Sure. Me, not so much. I mean, I probably would have fewer back problems now, but the front seat was actually one of the safer places to be, in all honesty, because of the back end hit, which is where most of the damage was done, and the seat coming into my back and knocking her seat loose. Everything damage-wise was in the back end where we were. Wow. So it sounds like you were where you needed to be to save your baby's life. Yes, definitely. Amazing. Well, tell us about how losing Amanda has affected the way you deal with your own heart defect. At one point in my life, about 18, 19, 20 years old, decided I could take care of myself and I let myself go without care for a couple of years. And I definitely don't do that anymore. We lost Amanda mostly due to a lack of care, a lack of CHD care. Mm -hmm. And I very much advocate for those that are getting 18, 19 years old to not lose out on care just because mom and dad don't take care of you anymore. You need to take over and take care of yourself. Amanda didn't hit that point, and I wish I would have known that she was out of care like she was, but I was pregnant at the time, and... There was just a lot of stuff going into what had happened that I feel partly like maybe I could have done something, but a lot of the problem is parents and other people are told that their child is fixed Mm. or their child is cured or the surgery fixed everything. And that's not the truth. CHD is lifelong. Surgery doesn't fix it. I know this, so I go see the doctor every 6 to 12 months. I've been out of care for about a year now due to medical insurance issues, but my insurance started February 1st, and I will be going to the doctor on February 5th, which I think this will have played by then, and I'm on top of my care compared to what I was before. Yeah, it sounds like Amanda was an angel and helped save your child and save you. And it sounds like her life 
had meaning. And maybe that meaning was to help you to know how to take care of yourself and to be the advocate that you have been. You're really, really good about going out and telling other heart warriors, don't take this for granted. Don't let there be a lapse in your care. Make sure that you're taking care of you. And I also tell some of my friends to have their babies checked. Mm. Do that O2 monitor. It's just a little clip on their toe. It's not an injection. Right. It's nothing that's going to hurt your baby. Mm-hmm. But it's something that could save you from heartache a couple months down the road, a couple days down the road, or even from some of these teenagers that they have underlying heart issues and they may have known had they done that O2 test when they were a baby. Right, right. I think that's just so important. Now there are more and more hospitals that are putting a pulse oximeter on the infant before they leave the hospital to make sure that their saturation levels are okay because that can be an indicator for some, not all, but it can be an indicator for some congenital heart defects. And you're right, getting that heads up can be the difference between life and death. Well, I'm going to ask you one more quick question, and that is, what advice would you give other heart warriors or siblings who are facing a loss like you did with Amanda? I would say stay strong. It never really gets easier. I know a lot of people say it'll get easier over time, but that's a lie. No matter who you lose, be it a parent, a sibling, even a not-blood sibling, it doesn't get easier. Remember your inside jokes and think about them often. Keep any pictures that you have. Or even if you have a heart warrior that's still alive but they're not doing well, take pictures. Mm. I actually went back and I only have one picture of me and Amanda that I have been able to find. And I so wish I had more. So if you're facing a potential loss in the next couple of years, take lots of pictures. Enjoy the time you have with them. And don't take a single moment for granted. And I have days where I want to call her and talk about things, but I've learned that the days pass and life moves on. And I know I have some extra angels on my side now. (laughs) I think you've had that demonstrated. (laughs) (laughs) So you definitely have some angels with you. And I want to thank you for coming on my show. I feel like you were an angel today coming on my program. Thank you, Anna. Well, that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening, friends. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time. And until then, you can leave a review for our podcast on iTunes. Remember, my friends, you are not alone. This program is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.hug-podcastnetwork.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.